millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there. Do you like movies, cartoons, video games, anime, and everything in between? Then we have a show for you. The Four Nerds by Nerds podcast. Every week, Josh and Ben bring you all the latest and greatest in movie reviews, news, commentaries, interviews, special guests, and tons of bonus episodes. New episodes come out every Monday. We also make great nerdy content on our YouTube channel. You can find our show anywhere podcasts are found. The Four Nerds by Nerds podcast. Your one stop for all your nerdy needs. Stay nerdy, my friends. I love virgins. I love not virgins. <laughs> I love Axel. That's what I. That's what I have to offer. Hi, Allie. Hey, Celeste. Welcome to 2021. We survived. Woohoo. We did. We did. How has the first two days of your 2021 been? Interesting. Oh my God. Same. Same. <laughs> you know, I really thought <laughs> I was one of those super fucking naive people who was like, new year, new shit, not even new Celeste. Like, I wasn't even banking on that because I'm really good with Celeste right now. But like, the rest of the world was going to have it shit together. And I'm telling you, in 48 hours, I'm not impressed. Moose has just been interesting the past couple days, as in waking up at ungodly hours, so. He's a sleep terrorist, that is true. Agreed. We should get him a little badge that says that. I mean, normally he's pretty good, but sometimes he goes through these spurts that are just tiresome. Literally. No pun intended? Or pun intended? No pun intended. But you nailed it. (laughs) Hey, guess what? What? We won an award. We did win an award. What award did we win? We won, uh, I think it's Twipods Award. I like Twipods. I really like Twipods. For the best new podcast. Yay! We did. We did do that. And I'm stupid fucking excited. Can I tell you that that was actually the worst thing ever? Finding out that we won because you were already asleep. I think you fell asleep like... 20 minutes before we found out and I was losing my fucking mind that we won and I was telling everybody but you because I blew you up and you didn't answer because you were asleep and then I was like well fuck I can't I don't know what to do with this it was terrible I fell asleep at like 10 o'clock I think we found out at like I really do think we found out at like 10 30 or 10 40 or something like that it was a nice thing to wake up to it was I'm sure but I <laughs> I really wanted to celebrate with you at that moment. 
I'm not mad. You needed your sleep. But it was painful to get through knowing that we won and I couldn't even share that with you until the morning. On that note, we are super grateful to everyone that voted for us and supported us in that. You guys are amazing. So amazing. And we really couldn't have done it without you. To be clear, for anybody who hasn't seen our excitement on any of our socials, we won Best New Podcast of the Year on an indie podcast competition. Uh, Competition? contest award ceremony i yep the awards i think that's what i think that's what we went with was awards but anyway seriously though we could not have gotten there without you guys so as always we're here to say thank you it was such an honor it was so humbling to be up against two other really amazing podcasts jar of rebuke and two actors pod yes and you have listened to Jar of Rebuke, right? And you really liked it? Yeah, they're an audio drama set in the Midwest. And so far, it's excellent. Weren't you just saying that nobody would want like a D&D player from the Midwest? I'm saying the one that I would want to be on would not want me. <laughs> this is set in the Midwest, so it makes sense. Oh, okay. Well, we'll see. Maybe someday they will want you. I'm still sticking to that. Noted. Uh, so I saw your sneak peek of your can. Would you like to tell me what you're drinking today? I would love to. Nick got a mixed box of the press. Ooh. Um, seltzers. Okay. And this one is lime lemongrass. How is that? It's delicious. I'm trying to think of what to tell you. Does it taste like a Sprite? I would imagine it tastes like kind of like a 7-Up Sprite, Sundrop something. To me, it tastes more like Squirt. Oh, okay. That's fair. I think Sundrop and Squirt are pretty similar. I actually feel like Squirt has a little bit more of like a lemon base to it, which makes sense with the lemongrass. Yeah. What are you drinking? I am also drinking a press, not because Nick got it for me, but because I got it myself. I need Nick to come and bring me my my presses from now on because I probably shouldn't be trusted to pick out the flavor. I actually think you would absolutely adore this flavor. It's the pomegranate ginger and it's really, really good. Okay, it is really good. I just don't love ginger the way that you do. And it is very gingery. It's really delicious. Okay. I'm not, I'm not in any way saying that it's not. I am just not a fan of ginger. So I struggle with that piece and I definitely wish that I had like the blackberry one or even your squirt one that you're talking about right now. That is in the mixed box. So I will be getting to that eventually and I'm super intrigued by it. I think that you're going to absolutely love it. Like it screams Allie. Like that was, that was my beverage right there. Beautiful. Yeah, I thought so. So, what are we talking about today? I thought it was appropriate to start a new year with a completely crazy topic, and I think we should do that. So, today, we are going to talk about virginity. Woohoo! I love that you think this is a crazy topic. I was going to say something to the effect of, like, a virgin year, but that felt really dirty, and then I walked away from it, and then you forced me to say it, so here we are. You're such a dork. Thank you. So I do have a disclaimer for this episode, which I didn't run by you and I should have, but I'm pretty confident that you're going to be on board with what I have to say about the topic of virginity. So without further ado, shall we begin? Let's begin. Let us begin. So the disclaimer that I have for today is this. 
We believe everyone should engage in their own sexuality, even when that means their sexuality includes their virginity. We give exactly zero fucks about what you do with your virginity as long as you are consenting to the fullest extent, including the understanding that although your virginity does not make you any more pure or holy, you and your body are sacred. You are worthy of respect and gratitude in sharing your body with anyone, but especially in your first time. It should go without saying that we are only speaking on this topic in regard to people who are old enough to consent. The age of consent, although different in some places, never applies to children. For the sake of this conversation, we are speaking in terms of 18 and older only. We want you to be safe, healthy, and free to choose what to do with your body. I concur. I love that you concur. Okay. If I had a little flag, I'd hold it. Yay. I appreciate your celebration flag. I feel your excitement from here. It's just radiating. All right. The definition of virginity, according to wikipedia.com, is the state of a person who has never engaged in sexual intercourse. Now, although I agree with that definition in its technicality, that's a pretty empty definition for me. And we're going to talk about that as we work through this storyline. Okay. So, this is going to be one of our normal episodes. It really is. But I'm so excited about the way that I structured the research and making sure that it is inclusive of all people. This definition, although remains true in its technicality, may change as we talk about different things. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Thank you, notebook. Oh, look, the next page says what I was just saying. There are cultural and religious traditions that place special value and significance on this state, predominantly towards unmarried females associated with the notion of personal purity, honor, and worth. The concept of virginity has significance only in particular social, cultural, or moral contexts. According to Han Blank, quote-unquote, virginity reflects no biological imperative and grants no demonstrable evolutionary advantage. I thought that was important to point out as we kind of move through this conversation because people's virginity is a stigma of itself and we will look at, like I just kind of mentioned, all sides of that stigma. But I do think that it was really important to include, one, there is absolutely zero evolutionary or physical benefit to remaining a virgin other than the risk of getting pregnant or getting sick is eliminated, right? Like, okay. Yeah. I mean, those are legitimate risks. Those are legitimate risks, yes. And when I say sick, I mean in the terms of like a sexually transmitted disease. I don't mean a cold. That's not, you're going to get a cold whether you're a virgin or not. But those are real risks. However, other than refraining from the possibility of getting those things, or those things happening, there is no physical advantage to being a virgin or not being a virgin. I would argue there's a physical advantage to not being a virgin, but that's just because I really like sex. I don't know. I would argue that there is a mental advantage, which can impact your physical advantage. It doesn't impact your physiology. Correct. But it can impact you mentally. It absolutely can, and I do appreciate that you went there with it. I was not speaking in that way, but you are correct, and we are definitely going to talk about that as we go through the research on both sides of the gender coin as we talk about virginity. Just to clarify, the way that I meant that is your virginity is your choice. If you feel pressured into choosing something different, that can impact you mentally. 
Absolutely. I think we're on the same page. I think we're in a good place. Dear listener, this isn't a hard concept, right? There's no physical advantage to being a virgin. There's no physical disadvantage to being a virgin. There are some mental implications, and we're going to talk about those. But like we said in the disclaimer, your virginity is yours to choose what you do with it, whether that means keep it or not. That's totally your thing, and we love you no matter what you decide to do with that. Yep. Okay, I have a few more things, a few more bullet points to say about virginity, kind of in the spectrum of a definition, but not really a definition, just other thoughts that kind of go along before we get to the history, just some background information about the concept of virginity as a whole. Medieval bestiaries stated that the only way to capture or tame a unicorn was by way of using a virgin as a lure due to her implied purity. This topic is increasingly relevant in popular Renaissance paintings and poetry. That was one bullet point. Next bullet point is, although virginity has historically been correlated with purity and worth, many feminist scholars believe that virginity itself is a myth, which I thought was an interesting concept. Yeah, that's... Interesting. I don't I guess I don't understand what that means. I wasn't really sure either until I got into some of the research uh, from the history perspective as it relates to women's virginities. So I think maybe in a little bit it might make sense and I just don't want to jump ahead of us. Okay. But I did think it was interesting that my brain took the unicorn thought and the feminists believe virginity is a myth thought and I put them next to each other. Agreed. <laughs> there was absolutely no irony there. It was purely coincidental. So on that thought of feminist scholars who believe it's a myth, they argue that no standardized medical definition of virginity exists. There is no scientifically verifiable proof of virginity loss and that sexual intercourse results in zero recordable personality change. Jessica Valenti, a feminist writer and the author of The Purity Myth, discusses the concept of virginity is also dubious because there are tons of individual definitions of virginity loss and that valuing a woman's virginity is defining the morality between her legs. I would offer myself personally that that could be said about men also. As I was looking through a lot of this research, especially because I feel as though historically virginity and virginism has been so specifically geared towards women that a lot of feminists forget that men face impunity for this also. And that was really frustrating to me as I went through this research, especially because we had a listener request this topic mm -hmm. and he is a man. Yeah. So in doing this topic justice, Obviously, I wanted to bring it to both sides of that spectrum, but it was especially important to me, knowing where the request for this topic came from, that I'm very clear about saying the information that I'm about to share from the history side of it is very women-focused, but there is a very men-focused portion of this episode because the experiences are completely different, and yet both are still very real and can be very damaging. Yeah, I'm assuming I'm jumping ahead here, but before I forget to say it, I'm guessing that your research found women should be virgins and then men should not be virgins and they both get ostracized for those reasons. That's exactly what my research found. That was such a beautiful happy face. I loved that happy face and silent laugh. That combo was so amazing. But I do actually have numbers and statistics on that exact thought. So if you could just hold the fuck up, and let me do my thing, we'll get there. Holding the fuck up. <laughs> 
All right, here we go. Let us begin with some history. According to medium.com, I found this article that was called, Why Have We Always Been So Obsessed with Virginity? And I really felt I should start there with this episode. I think that's a great starting point. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I offer this article additionally because this was a really, really great article for anybody who is struggling with their personal virginal stance. The first paragraph actually offers this quote and I loved it. So this is where we're going to start. Upon hearing the word virgin, quote unquote, the first image that will likely spring to mind is that of a young woman. In the Bible, film, literature, and even in current debates about reproductive rights, A woman's body has been the vessel of original sin. The onus of purity falls squarely on the shoulders of women-identified bodies. Opening quote of this fucking article, and I was like, yes, Mm -hmm. let's read this shit now. Like, I'm here for it. The article actually offered so much that most of the information that I'm going to share from the women's perspective came from the medium.com, this article. Okay, so I only have one slight little mental bubble where we get off of that article for the women's piece. And I'll make sure that I cite that source. But uh, I'm going to talk a lot from one source just so everybody's aware. Okay. So the article goes on to say, Virginal obsession and the myth of purity are nothing new. Virginity is historically rooted in establishing paternity and entrenched in male ownership. The popularity of virginity is often attributed to Mariology, the Roman Catholic worship of Virgin Mary, i.e. Jesus' mama. That's literally what I wrote down so I wouldn't forget who Mary was. <laughs> I wasn't actually really even aware that Mariology was a concept. I had never heard of that. It obviously makes sense to me now that I've done this research. Like, duh, obviously, like, Mary is a huge figure in Catholic and Christian practices without question. I just didn't realize that she would have her own branch of study. Oh, yeah. How long have you known that? Uh, For quite some time. She's not really focused on in Lutheranism. It's very much a Catholic side of things, but... Yeah, she's a central figure. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that with me because, like I said, this article was the first time I had ever heard that. And I was like, I wonder if other people will know that or if that will be weird. So thank you for sharing that. That's why the term Hail Mary like came from the worship to Mary. I just don't understand why that ended up being like a sport thing, though. Because you say your Hail Marys in times of desperation, I guess you could say. In times you're seeking for forgiveness or like you're at a point where you need help. Oh, okay. So again, I didn't know shit about this. So I did do a little slight mental blurb about Mariology, which began in the 14th century with Byzantine theologians. So I wasn't sure what that was. Do you know what that is? It's the Byzantine Empire, but that's <laughs> that's where my knowledge stops. Okay. So I this is my slight mental sidestep. Uh, I went to encyclopedia.com to understand what Byzantine really was. So there were these writers from one end of the age spectrum to the Byzantine Empire that indicated by the fall of Constantinople in 1453 when it came to be called more properly Greek theology. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. So uh, the Byzantine theologians, let's go back to those fellas reportedly believed that Mary, along with baby Jesus, but no bad cop, he was not there for this, was at the center of the cosmos, which is why bad cop was not there, because he obviously was not center of the cosmos. Cops hadn't been involved yet. 
Everyone that hasn't listened to that episode is so confused right now. So unbelievably confused. Shout out to our Yule episode. What is December 25th? This took full social force during the Middle Ages when Mary was upheld as the quote-unquote New Eve, heavily bolstering the status of women, or at least the importance of her purity. The concept of chivalry, for example, was established in defense of the honor of a maiden, a.k.a. a virgin. So you only had to be, as a man, chivalrous to a woman if she was a virgin or she was married. Like, if she was of social status enough to be, like, a lady, you would have to be chivalrous to her also. And I totally struggled with the word chivalrous right there, so everybody gets to hear that. But the concept was truly applicable to maidens being fair virgins. Yeah. Chivalry was introduced in teaching men that they should protect these fair ladies. Since Mary was the mediator between the holy and the earthly, her popularity adjusted the socially held belief that women were the source of evil. Because Eve, I didn't know this, in my very limited information and experience of Christianity, I didn't realize that Eve was the bad guy in that story. I I really didn't. And there are versions where she is, or perceptions, where she is the bad guy. Mm -hmm. So this research is saying Mary was the contrast to remind human beings that women were not innately evil creatures. Like there were good ones too. Yeah, Eve was the original sin because she ate fruit. I just have thoughts on that that we're not going to get into because she ate a fucking apple. Like maybe had someone fed her, that wouldn't have been a problem. Who knows? (laughs) I think there's worse shit she could have done to be considered the original sin. I'm just saying that. So the article goes on to say, this subsequently evolved into the worship of virginity itself, an obsession that still permeates our culture today. Throughout Christian doctrines, the virginity of men and women is paramount for religious observance. For some, maintaining one's virginity is a way of honoring their relationship to God. One needn't look much farther than the prevalence of purity balls to see how highly we still value a woman's virginity. For those who are unfamiliar with a purity ball, It is a seemingly antiquated father-daughter dance in which fathers vow to protect their daughter's chastity until they're married off to another man. I struggle with that. 90% of me thinks that that's a very fucking disgusting practice for all kinds of reasons that have nothing to do with incest. I think that's fucking gross. It just sounds super creepy. It does. It really, it really does. Like, I try to think about being in that dynamic for a minute. Go there with me for one second. I am my father's everything, so much so that he's constantly worried about my virginity only until he gives me to another man. I just, that just feels so yucky to me. Like, as a parent, obviously, I am worried about my child's sexual experience and her being safe in that at the correct time, which is not for about 30 fucking years, okay? But I... I'm not going to worry about it every single fucking day of my life. It's not something that she and I are going to obsess over together. And if she had a male father figure in our home, I wouldn't let him obsess over it either. Like Mm -hmm. it just, it's not something we need to be worried about. When the time comes, we'll deal with it then. I just don't know why in anybody's household, what your children are doing with their body parts so prematurely to actually even being worried about 
their body parts themselves. Obsessing over that feels really wrong to me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a side where you can be concerned about certain impacts that having sex can have and like wanting to teach your children about that properly but being obsessed about whether or not they're still virgins is mm, i just don't like it i don't either i think this is a good point to just say like there is a difference between chastity and abstinence i am pro abstinence like i am pro wait until the right time wait until you're old enough to truly make that decision make it a safe and smart decision like I am pro-abstinence. I don't think that I'm pro-chastity. Yeah, I get what you mean. I think that just waiting for the right moment and person is crucial. And I do personally think there's a difference. I think one comes from a perhaps religious impact. I would agree with that. I would. And I'm going to take a break from our notes for just a second because I want to talk about what you had just mentioned, waiting for the right person and the right time. How, how, as a mother, how would you explain that to your child? But obviously not anytime soon. Again, we're talking like 30 years in the future. How do you help your child know who that person is and when the right time is? Because there are so many factors in our society, I believe, that make that selection process very difficult and very misleading. So I'm curious to your thoughts, like how do you help your children prepare for that? Or how would you even prepare for that yourself? Like even if, like if you were still a virgin? See, that's the thing. Society is a bitch and so are hormones. So all we can really do is provide them with the necessary information and realism and honesty. And in the end, it's their choice. I'm good with that answer. And I think that as long as the only thing I want to add to that is that as long as we are as parents and even as individual people are truly respecting ourselves and teaching our children to respect themselves and their bodies and that this is an experience that is enjoyable and should be enjoyed between two consenting people. I think that's the only thing that we could do because there's no good answer. Yep, I agree. And like I said, in the end, it's not our choice. We're here to inform. Exactly. Well, I'm, I appreciate that we took that little side side trip, side tangent, side trail, side road, side car, side bar. I'm going to go back to my notes now. <laughs> So this is back on the purity ball thing. We aren't over that concept yet. The young women make public pledges of purity amid tiaras, glinting candlelight, and expensive chicken cutlets. I explicitly included that sentence because I love that they called out the expensive chicken cutlets. These promises are often accompanied by, yes, a ring from their father, drawing a straight line of these fetes to marriage and the paternal ownership all too easy which I think also was part of that concept that just made it feel yucky to me. Like, here's a ring from your daddy, and then here's a ring from your husband. They mean the same thing. You are now this person's property. I just don't like that. And I'm not saying that that's what marriage is and that's what everybody views it as. I'm not even downing this from a religious perspective. I just don't like the idea of teaching anybody that they are anybody else's property. Agreed. I also thought it was very interesting to talk about paternalism in this aspect in two different ways. And we've talked about paternalism before. Shout out to our white privilege episode. The first being the paternalism in the sense of lawmaking, right? Rules that are put in place by a figure of authority in the seeming best interest of the subordinate. I think about in this instance, 
the father being the authority figure, the the daughter being the subordinate, and this quote-unquote law of you are not allowed to lose your virginity, which you and I have already established should be a choice. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think about that in the sense of paternalism. But then I also think about it in the sense of like baby daddy paternalism, because the article then continues to say this. Historically, virginity was linked controlling women's bodies through monitoring fertility and paternal ownership. This was like pre-paternity test because that's only been around for the past like 50 years or some shit. And within this system, women's bodies were and are presented as products of consumption, tools for labor, and a conduit for the continuing of a bloodline. So if you were a man in the 1800s and you had to go away to work and your cute sweet little wife was at home darnishing your socks you needed to know that she was not having somebody else's baby because she was not having sex with anybody but you Mm -hmm. that was your guarantee that those were your kids but guarantee being a very loose term there because you know that actually made me wonder how many people grew up in families like genuine nuclear families where they were not the product of their biological father and how would anybody have known yeah very true but also i think that there was so much societal pressure and stigma around it that maybe that number's not as high as we think it would be yeah that's fair that's totally fair it was just a thought that i had like in thinking about the actual concept of a bloodline like i don't know but you're probably right like King Henry's son is not actually his son. Could you imagine? I don't know who that is. That's okay. I'm just saying like one of the more prominent like figures to have a bloodline and it turns out we find out a thousand years from now that wasn't true. Yes. No, exactly that thought. And especially like, I mean, the fact that you used a monarchy bloodline, like, yeah, could you imagine that fucking havoc if little Philip belonged to Michael down the road? Like that would be... <laughs> be fucking terrible i mean good for philip he lives a fucking amazing life with his queen mommy but i'm just saying like that would be that would be tough but i do i i do think that you are correct in that time it probably was less likely because of the religious stigma but then i think about paternity tests like i said have only been around for like 50 or 60 years religious persecution for this exact concept kind of died down at some point in the 1900s So, I don't know. Not an invalid thought, but I want to stop thinking about it now. (laughs) Dear brain, please stop. Thank you. Dear brain, we can't be here anymore. (laughs) According to Sex, Society, and Medieval Women by N.M. Heckel, I don't know if M.N. is a man or a woman, but I liked that their last name was Heckel for some reason. A direct quote being... In an era before paternity tests, husbands needed some sort of assurance that the children born by their wives were indeed of their own bloodline. Taking a virgin wife was one way a husband could increase those odds in his favor. Virginity's monetary importance created a desire for ways to assure that a woman was indeed a virgin. Virgin brides genuinely came with higher dowries, making them more attractive to prospective grooms. And those prospective grooms, in return, were likely to feel more generous when it came to giving a return gift to the bride's family. In order to help grooms ensure that a bride's family was truthful about her quote-unquote condition, 
Many medical texts included disciplines of methods and processes that could be used to prove or disprove a woman's chastity. And then there's another bullet that says, these physical exams are something many would consider sexual assault today. Yeah, like checking to make sure if a hymen is intact. Yeah, which is completely irrelevant to the concept of virginity. But, you know, this never stopped anybody. The commodification of women's bodies is a long-standing tradition of capitalist patriarchy. If a woman's body is an object, then virginity is a condition. In this way, women's bodies became reliquaries for capitalist desire. And then the article actually did this like blank space, like it drew a little blank space. And it says blank space for projections of male fantasy, which... <laughs> Then I made a bullet point that said, you. <laughs> that whole thing was amazing. I mean, I hate it, but it was amazing. No, I hate it also. But the fact that the article did it and then the fact that I did it, like I drew it the same way the article did. And then I made another bullet point that says, you. <laughs> it was just a really good part of the note taking process. But I really think about that implication from a capitalist perspective of here's a virgin, a.k.a. a blank slate, make her whatever you want to make her. Like from a purely marketing perspective, purely marketing, nothing else, not even one single hint of anything else. That's not a bad marketing strategy. This is perhaps sidetracking a little bit, but I keep thinking and I can't remember, the oracles that were in 300 where the creepy old guys that are like decaying go to that very young naked girl that is possessed. If I yes, remember I right, the oracles were virgins and that led credence to their powers per se or was supposed to. I recall, I recall this part of the story and I do think that you are correct. I do think that the oracles had some sort of onus to their abilities because of their purity. I feel like you're right on that. Yeah, I could be remembering that completely wrong, but for some reason I feel like it was linked there. I don't think that you are. I do think that you're right on that. Okay, so back to these like blank slate products again. Okay. Here we go. To continue that quote, women are oversexualized in order to move product in advertisements. For example, Originally, this notion of pure versus impure was motivated by a spirit of conquest, illicitly between religious motivations and colonialist enterprise. This model yokes the woman into a painful binary. She is either a virgin or a slut. This logic dictates that if something as quote-unquote dangerous as a woman's sexuality can be controlled, then too so can chaos. Culturally, we crave symbolism relating to innocence and control, distancing ourselves from anything that renders us helpless, overwhelmed, or weak. I love that our sexuality is linked to chaos. I liked that too, actually. I very much liked that. And also, as I was writing that part, all I could think about was Yennefer and Taseya telling her to like control her chaos and that brought it to such a different meaning for me. I know that Taseya wasn't talking about Yennefer's actual virginity, like controlling her chaos, but I do think that that's interesting and I personally really love it that like as a woman, the fact that I could be seen as an instrument of chaos in that I'm just a woman, I think that's actually really cool. Mm-hmm. The next bullet from this article that I thought was really interesting is that 
virginity has been so exalted, we even come up with ways to restore it, a physical impossibility that we happily suspend logic for. Which I have heard of this before. Have you heard of vaginal restoration? Yes. Virginal, 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 virginal restoration? Yes. For anybody who hasn't heard about it, let's talk about it because I did some research. This is called a uh, hymenplasty, hymenplasty, hymenplastosis, hymenplasty. We're going to go with plasty. Hymenplasty, according to aedit.com, a hymenplasty is a surgical procedure that quote-unquote restores the hymen, a membrane that partially covers the opening of a vagina. So before we talk about this surgery, here's my disclaimer for the surgery specifically. Just like any other body modification process that anyone wishes for themselves for whatever their reason being, we fully fucking support you. Like, do you boo-boo? Don't care. Get it, girl. Some people want this surgery because of their religious beliefs, and some people want this in the event that they lost their virginity by force, and this is part of their reclaimant of their body. And some people just get it because they fucking want to. Like, anywhere on that spectrum, we don't care. Mind your business. If it's not your vagina, don't fucking worry about it. Mm -hmm. I wrote that down. It specifically says, if it's not your vagina, don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) But I actually grabbed some information while I was looking at the hymenplasty because I was just curious, right? And we're going to talk about it anyway, so why not have some information about it? The average recovery time for a hymenplasty is one week. The permanence is temporary. It can cost anywhere from $2,000 to $5,000. And the invasiveness, there were, I thought that was actually really cool. The little plastic surgery website that I was looking at had a scale for invasiveness. And a hymenplasty is a 9 out of. The highest one that I saw was an 11. And that one, um, I forget what it was called, but it's basically the thinning of the wall between your vagina and your anus. If that wall is like too thick or something. I don't know. I had never heard of that one and it really freaked me out, but now I'm telling you about it. That was an 11. Out of 10? Yes. They broke their own rules. That's not how this works. They did. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. They did though. So I thought that that was really interesting. So then I took it to this place because I'm a psycho. I took it to the place of giving you guys a breakdown of like how this works. So during treatment, there's local anesthesia, The hymen is partially excised to eliminate uneven tissue, meaning the hymen that you already have broken. That, for anybody who doesn't know, it doesn't fucking leave your body. It just folds up and scabs and scars over and then it's scar tissue. Okay, so they re-level the hymen that was there. Can I help you? I don't like any of this. (laughs) I'm not even squeamish and I'm just like, okay, I'm just exiting out of this conversation. Please continue. I like being informed. I'll go through it quickly. I'm So they eliminate uneven tissue. Okay, great. Allie hates that part. Love that news. <laughs> then the hymen is sutured together with dissolvable stitches. And in some instances, a small piece of tissue may need to be grafted from the vaginal opening for some patients. So like if you don't have enough skin to recreate a hymen, they will graft a new hymen for you from a different part of your vagina. And place that puppy inside your vagina. Thanks for all that. I'm going to keep going. I just really wanted you to be on board with the conversation. I, 
I, like this stuff doesn't even normally bother me and for some reason these visuals that I'm unfortunately having are really uncomfortable. You know, and I am the squeamish one and I look at it so anatomically. I would never want to watch this surgery. I never want to have any part of like personally, I don't I because I have such a weak stomach. I don't ever want to see this surgery happen, but like in my brain I am doing this like little nip tuck moment and I don't think it's as bad as you think it is, which is so not like us. So I'm I'm actually here for this moment because I get to be the not squeamish one for five seconds. Yeah, it's weird. It's super weird. Please continue. So immediately after treatment, um, there is likely to be swelling and spot bleeding. One to six weeks after treatment. Oh, that, that was like the next category of um, aftercare whatever, was one to six weeks. You can return to work one to four days after the treatment. You can resume exercise as tolerated two to three weeks after, and you cannot use tampons or penetrative sex for six weeks. Side effects can include swelling, tenderness, spotting, discharge, and the hymenplasty procedure may create discomfort for future sexual activities. Which then brings me to the question of, if that's a risk, again, not knocking anybody, get it done if you want it done, but if the risk of you having unenjoyable sex future state, you better fucking be getting it because you really want it. Like, it really means something to you because if you're going to have painful sex the rest of your life, like, really consider that. Yeah, agreed. I'm not, I'm not interested. Hard pass. Clearly, I'm not. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) That is really all I have on the female perspective of it, but I don't know if the historical information I had was nearly as brash as the reality of this circumstance is. And I say that because I started rewatching Harlots on Hulu, which is like one of my favorite shows just because it's totally binge-worthy and there's lots of sex and it's just really addicting. Plus, I am a, such a sucker for an old English accent. Like, I'm pretty sure I have lived there in a past life. And this is in, like, the 1600s. This show takes place. And I hear about somebody's virginity at least three times an episode, okay? And again, this is a really good series. I highly recommend it to anybody who's interested. But a quote that was used today that really fucking hit me And I was like, I need to email this to myself right now so I don't forget to include this in this episode. The reality of a woman's virginity was summed up so well in this series that I just, I needed to share it with you guys. This is not my perspective, but I do feel as though this is the perspective that society has about women, especially as it relates to their sexuality. The harlot's quote being, men don't respect whores. Men respect property. That's where this whole concept came from, right? Mm -hmm. If you're not a virgin, you are a whore, period. Like, unless you're married, but we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about specifically just the virginity piece of it. If you're not married, you're a whore. If you're married, then you're somebody's property. Men are only going to respect one in this perspective. I think societally and historically that that is true. It should not be that way, but I do think that it's true, and I still think it's true even today. It's just not presented in the same way, but I do think that that is still a stigma that is still real in certain circles of society. I agree, and I appreciate you disclaimering that it is in certain circles, because that's definitely not a what-everybody-believes thing. No, absolutely not, and I know that, okay? I do. 
I think about like good old boy clubs and groups and I don't even mean clubs like as in country clubs. I, I, I truly mean there are areas of our society that are very structured to be the typical good old boy group. And I believe in those areas of our society, this concept would still be applicable. I just feel that way given my experiences. Yeah, I agree. So thank you for going back there with me. Again, shout out to Harlots and Hulu. The show is so addicting and I just love it. Okay. I'm depraved. It's fine. Here we go. My next category in my notes is called male virginity bullshit. I didn't know what else to call it. Not because males being a virgin is bullshit, but because specifically the research that I found is bullshit, and that's what we're going to talk about. Thank you for clarifying, because although I knew what you meant, I think it's important that you clarified, so thank you. Dear men, this is not me hating on you. You also get your moment, and I respect whatever you choose to do with your body. What you do with your body is not bullshit. What I found about what you choose to do with your body or not do with your body has been bullshit. So that's where I'm coming from. So the article that I used for a lot of the male virginity information was goodmenproject.com. The article is called, Is Adult Male Virginity Society's Last Taboo? And then I was like, well, that obviously needs to be the article that I read because it's got taboo in the name. This was also a really good article, but I didn't find the entire article to be as applicable as I wanted it to be. The end of the article actually was really a downer, and I did not like the vibe by the end of the article, so I don't have as much information direct from this article as I did the last one, but I definitely still found some really good information. So if there are any men out there who are struggling with this concept or who are just looking for information about male virginity or they feel alone or anything like that, I do recommend this article, but know that I didn't love the end of it. That's just what I had to say about that. The opening quote for this article, which I wrote a giant fuck yes, is... Quote, can we talk about how a man's worth is not really related to his ability to score sexual partners? Here for it. I am here for it. Let's talk about exactly that. That reminds me of the song, uh, I think it's Deja Intendu by Brand New. I don't know if you've heard it, but it's all about a boy's first experience sleeping with a girl and how he doesn't want to, but he's pressured into it. It's a really good song. I have not heard that. I will give that a listen, though, because I'm really curious about that song now. And I actually found in this article that that's like a really common fucking thing. And let's talk about why, because it is another societal expectation of men that I personally think is bullshit. Thus, the male virginity bullshit comment. It had nothing to do about male virgins. It's about the way that society looks at them. So the article talks about the stereotypical image associated with the concept of a quote-unquote adult male virgin. And I'm going to stop saying quote-unquote adult male virgin because there's like so many fucking times in this article and in my notes that those words are reiterated. You guys know how I feel about repetitive quoting. So just know anytime I say adult male virgin, it is a quote-unquote moment. I'm not actually like using that to label anybody. It's just the words I'm using. Yeah. That stereotype is typically an overweight socially awkward figure, heavy into gaming, confined to the solitude of his mother's basement. In what appears to be the obverse situation to quote-unquote slut-shaming females for high sexual activity, 
the heterosexual adult virgin male is seemingly mocked for his sexual inactivity. Another quote from the article states, According to a study done by the National Center for Health Statistics, the mean age at which someone in the U.S. has sexual intercourse is about 17 years old. To reach the age of 25 years old and remain a quote-unquote virgin makes up for 2% of men and 3% of women. That's very small numbers. Mm-hmm. And 25, like, let's just be really objective about this. 25 is still really young. Yeah, I agree. Like, I definitely had sex before then because for anybody who can do math, tiny is seven. So clearly, I wasn't 25, but that's still really, really young. Yeah, I agree. And it just brings me back to our continued thinking of why the fuck does society pressure so much people on what's going on in their pants? I don't know. I really don't know, and I want to talk about that more, but I don't want to get too far because I have a couple more numbers, I think, specifically coming up. But I do want to talk about that because actually I think it's in the last part of the research I did, but we're going to talk about more numbers and the age thing and all of that. So stay tuned for this episode. The article continues to say, from countless teen movies to comments on online forums, the adult virgin male is branded a bit of a loser. While female virginity may still retain some virtue in modern Western society, male virginity certainly does not. Such stigmas are likely upheld by unhelpful notions of masculinity, where a man's worth is equated with his perceived quote-unquote ability to have sex. The article specifically states, The term ability is not used here in the sense of a person's physical capacity to have sex, rather referring to the perceived confidence, personality, looks, social nuance, and whatever seemingly elusive factor that is necessary to attract a sexual partner in the first place. So ability meaning like opportunity, not I can in fact have sex. Yeah, the ability to perform. Exactly. It is more about the ability to convince your sexual partner you are worthy of having sex with. Like, that's what they're talking about. Yeah, I mean, look at the movie 40-Year-Old Virgin. I think I've only seen that movie one time and I hated it. I can't think of a female equivalent that is harsh on a female being a virgin. Like, not in a, it's a bad way. You know what I mean? Yeah, because, no, I do. I know exactly what you're talking about because I think about the movie Never Been Kissed. Like, if she's not been kissed, she's likely a virgin. Drew Barrymore was, like, that was probably what her character was portraying, right? And that was so idealized. Like, she was not made fun of for that. That wasn't the part of it that was the stigma. The stigma was that she had never been kissed because she was this, this. Like, she was the quote-unquote adult virgin male stereotype but for women. That's the only Mm -hmm. thing that I can come up with that even comes close. But again, that wasn't about her virginity. That was just about the fact that she had never kissed somebody yeah so that's a totally different that's a totally different shot like both are still below the belt don't get me wrong but i don't know to really go at somebody's manhood like that and i say manhood because this could be applied to women to womenhood but I think, again, women aren't targeted that way. Men definitely are. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I thought that that, I do think that that's a really good point and I appreciate you sharing that. To have failed to have sex with a woman is an inability to embody these qualities, which in turn creates a stigma of being a failure as a man, end quote. So I know we took like a little side tangent there, but that was the, I didn't want to not finish that quote because I thought it was important. So I thought that this was really interesting. The article went on to talk about uh, professional pickup artists or PUAs. Did you know that's a thing? Yes, unfortunately. Uh, My notes say, which are a real thing, cringe. The stuff that (laughs) 
some of these pickup artists teach is fucking disgusting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Without question. Demoralizing shit. And I feel so unbelievably bad for the women who are not in a position to see how fucked up that shit is when it, they come face to face with it. So according to the logic and vernacular of professional pickup artists, which again cringe, suggests that men who bed multiple women quote-unquote demonstrate higher value. They are quote sought after alpha males with something to offer society, end quote. Meaning if you are a male virgin, according to these fucking douchebags who are pickup artists, like if that's your thing, totally, but like pickup artists, again, let's just, it's, that's not necessary. It's demoralizing. If you're really just trying to do that so that you can like boast your fucking record, you have some other issues that you probably should be working through before you're worried about getting your rocks off next. I'm just saying that. Yeah. Also, I just sent you a picture of the world's most renowned, I guess you could say, pickup artist. And I just want to see your reaction. What? <laughs> Why? He Why? He actually has a Why? show called The Pickup Artist. Allie, he's wearing little binoculars. And I'm pretty sure I won that same hat at Chuck E. Cheese when I was nine. Sorry to derail. Please continue. Can I tell you, if this aesthetic ever approached me to quote-unquote pick me up, there would be some real conversations had. Not with this person, but with you and I. We would be really talking about this experience. (laughs) No, thank you. Is it totally bad if I want to shamelessly plug normal girl right now? No. Okay, so on the concept of pickup artists... If I haven't made my position very clear, please don't ever come at me like a fucking pickup artist. But I do have this thing. I have a failed dating blog on Instagram that gives me all the happies because I'm hilarious and witty and obviously that's part of why you guys are here. The other part being Allie's fucking amazing, so let's not forget that part. But... Oh, thanks. If you appreciate my wit and my charm, I have this blog on Instagram. It is on, the handle is normal girl dating world. And I take my terrible dating experiences and I put them on Instagram. This includes bad fucking pickup lines and really amazing responses to those pickup lines. And also includes like some motivational shit that I put on there. And just honestly, it's like a little oasis for people who are really fucking struggling and hating the dating world because guess what dating fucking sucks for everyone i don't know why but like people get so fucking stupid when it comes to dating apps and dating as a whole there's lots to be documented so shameless plug to my little instagram dating blog page it's literally just a side thing it is nothing important but if you are in need of a good giggle go check it out yep do that i mean have you gotten good giggles from it yes okay Thank you. That was a really excellent advertisement. I appreciate your support. Not a problem. (laughs) The article continues to say, Reasoned this way, the adult male who has not even slept with one woman, let alone multiple women, is considered the quote-unquote beta male as he has a low social status. As social animals sensitive to hierarchy, humans do not react well when devalued by society. The adult virgin male is no different. Psychologist Roy Baumeister, which totally made me super crave root beer, I just want to say that, Mm-hmm. And Kathleen Vo suggests that sex is essentially a female resource. Men demand it and women supply it. In the resulting marketplace, then, men will trade financial, social, and emotional resources in exchange for sex. 
And then my little Celeste bullet point says, this brings me to the concept of truly sex is a form of currency for both parties. And this is the sexual economics theory. Like this is a real fucking thing. Mm -hmm. Although it's really weird and really gross like to think about it this way. That's what it is. Sex is, I mean, for you as a person, as an individual and your partner as an individual, sex is this thing that you exchange between two people and like it should be enjoyable, right? Excellent. But then I think about this sexual economic theory and I really think about the fact that sex really is a form of currency. It's the oldest form of currency. But I just have never thought about it that way. I have in the sense of like prostitution right? Because obviously that is an exchange. That is a currency exchange. But I never really thought about it in the sense of the way that this was explained. Men demand it, women provide it. But then men are paying in ways like emotional support or financial support in maybe even just being somebody's like husband. I don't know. I just, I thought about it a lot, probably more than any normal person really should. And now I can't think about having sex without thinking, what does this cost us? Which is so fucked up for me. I think that's true to a degree, but I don't agree with it fully. Because to me, that's completely taking away women who pursue or any other gender or sex that pursues and to me it demeans the experience i don't think that's the case for everything i don't disagree with you at all i don't disagree with you on either of those points i'm just saying i have never thought about the sexual economic theory before Uh, to be honest i have never heard of it before so uncovering this was really interesting to me now i just keep applying it in thought Okay, so that's part of it. I think the other part being this concept doesn't have to be just men and women. This could be men and men. This could be women and women. This, I mean, it, this isn't a gender specific. The article just presented it that way. So I totally hear what you're saying and I do appreciate that comment because obviously like we are here pro-inclusivity. But I think that in the sexual economic theory that that thought still applies regardless of the partner dynamic. You are correct though one bajillion percent on the fact that then it invalidates an emotional experience that you are having with somebody who you genuinely care about. I do think that the sexual economic factor might still be there, but it isn't the reason that you are then having sex. Is that fair to say? I still disagree with it, but I get what you're saying. Okay, I'll stop arguing it because I'm really not arguing it. I'm just offering a different perspective because I I don't really have a right answer. I don't think there is a right answer. Your opinion is completely correct and I'm not disagreeing. The article goes on to say, Fancy gifts, high social status, a shoulder to cry on. From an economic perspective, these are all offered by, according to this article, men unable to get laid in return for sexual gratification. But a man unable to get laid is one who wields little power in the sexual economy. He's been outbid for sex by his more valuable male opponents. Again, this is from that kind of not only sexual economic theory, but the perspective that the dominant society has on adult male virgins who according to this perspective have been deemed like betas yeah this isn't our theory this is not what we are saying again this is just from the perspective that we're talking about in why male virgins are so taboo and like downed on because that was the original question like that was what we were brought with why is being an adult male and being a virgin like the worst fucking thing ever and like that's what really what we're here talking about right now 
Psychologist Paul Gilbert dubs defeat a sense of failed struggle and perceived loss of social rank. Defeat has been linked to thoughts of suicide, a link that becomes apparent when pursuing discussions in the online havens of adult virgin males. Sexual frustration and loneliness can quickly morph into self-loathing. Quote, they notice they are different from the vast majority of other people their age which have had some sexual experience end quote. So these like really intense feelings have been to be on both ends of the spectrum in regard to how seriously this concept can fuck dudes up, okay? So on one end of the spectrum, we have Elliot Rogers, who was a 22-year-old virgin shooter who killed six students in Isla Vista in what he claimed was retribution for the injustice of the girls who never desired him back. On the other end of the spectrum, Adult male virgins have been seen to turn in on themselves. Sexual frustration and loneliness can quickly morph into loathing. They feel alienated and inferior to their peers who are sexually active. This social divide only exacerbates the alienation and self-loathing, which makes suicide seem like a reasonable solution. I want to stop there for one second. There are a lot of things that I want to address about this whole thing, but the first being suicide is never a reasonable solution. I just want to say that to everybody for anything. Whether your disposition comes from a place of sexual frustration or not, please just hear me say suicide is never a reasonable solution for anything. And if you are having concerns or thoughts of suicide, like we've discussed in our depression episode, Allie and I are here if you just need somebody to talk to. We are not going to try and fix you. We are just going to love you and listen and be here for you if you don't have somebody else to do that with. Yep. There's that little moment. Do you have anything to add to that moment? Just that your existence is worthy. And we need you here. Allie and I need you right here so that's that i actually have an interesting thought or at least i find interesting on this whole article i would love to hear your interesting thoughts so the article is very based on men who don't have a choice in getting laid yes it's not really discussing those that make that decision and for anybody that makes that decision for themselves i highly respect that and i think that's a whole other factor and it's weird that they're not giving that a light unless it goes into it later on oh hey okay i'll just shut up now I have one more bullet point from the male virginity bullshit section of my notes, and then we're going to carry on to the next portion, which will directly hit what you're talking about. So really, the moral of this story right now as we talk about male virgins, and also we talk about females and their sexuality, and, and really the entire conversation that we've just had, moral of the story is slut shaming is just as wrong as virgin victimization. Trademark, that's a Celeste concept. I didn't take that from anybody else. Virgin victimization, I believe, is a real fucking thing, and that's what I want it to be called from now on. Both are fucking wrong. Like, neither of these things should happen. Again, back to, like, our original disclaimer, mind your fucking business. What anybody is doing or is not doing with their private parts is not your fucking problem. So, don't fucking worry about it. Yep. So then we get into the next section of my notes, which is labeled, The Future Looks Brighter. Dun, dun, dun. I got this information from the website independent.co.uk. The article is called, Millennials are losing their virginity much later than their parents, according to a new study. In a study done on more than 16,000 people, I would just like to say, 
One, what a random fucking number. But also, that's a lot of fucking people to survey. Mm -hmm. These studies were done on people in the ages of 18 to 34. One in eight of those people were still virgins at the age of 26. Some theories to this trending change in the approach to sex include... Quote, analysts speculate that the overexposure to pornography and a, quote, fear of intimacy may be to blame for sexual delay. Millennials have been brought up in a culture of hypersexuality, which has bred a fear of intimacy, said psychotherapist Susanna Abyss. The women are always up for it with beautiful hard bodies and the men have permanent erections. And this is daunting to young people. Shout out to the no pants dance. And how unrealistic fucking porn is. Yep. I would also argue that, I mean, she didn't say it, but she also didn't not say it. I would argue that porn is intimidating for men and women. Like, again, she didn't not say that, but she didn't specifically call that out. She made it sound very ambiguous. So this is me specifically calling out that this description of porn being beautiful hard bodies and permanent erections that sounds not fun. No, not at all. For some reason, I imagine like statues on Viagra. I'm not about it. Nope. <laughs> Hard pass. Ooh, I see what you did there. Additional statistics for my numbers and statistics, girl. So of that same 16,000 people, these additional statistics came from that study. 12.5% have never had sex. 90% of those who had lost their V-card had done so by the age of 19. 1% of participants had lost their virginity between the ages of 23 and 26. Per a U.S. study done in 2016, 44% of teenage girls lost their virginity compared to the 58% who had lost their virginity 25 years ago. So the number has gone down 14%. That's significant. I thought so also, but just check this out. In the same study, 47% of boys lost their virginity compared to the 69% in their parents' generation. Of course, it's 69, but holy crap, that's huge. That was unintentional, and we did have a listener point out that I have this seemingly obvious obsession with the number 69, and that's totally not real, even though I do love it. But yes, that is a drastic drop. Like, 22% difference. So I think that that speaks directly to your point, though, of men are choosing to not have sex. Like, that is an option. Dear men, it's okay if you choose not to have sex. Dear women, it's okay if you choose not to have sex. Like, you guys, seriously, that is literally fine. There's nothing wrong with it. And for anybody who says that there is something wrong with that or that you're weird or you're broken or makes fun of you, Tell them to go choke on something because that's just not necessary. Nobody should ever make you feel pressured to give up any part of your body. And even if the concept of virginity is something that we as a society are making up, it doesn't, from my perspective, invalidate that your first time should be meaningful to you. That experience of being intimate with someone and being completely exposed and completely vulnerable, that should be something that you do take seriously. And if you hold on to that, that's awesome. If you choose not to, that's fine too. Just be safe about it. Like that's really 
all I can say. Here's what I don't understand. Why doesn't society respect that more? I just don't get it. I don't get that either. Yeah, to me, that takes so much more willpower than what I obviously ever had, so I just don't understand why society is, like, shaming people for it. It's disgusting. I could not agree with you more, and I really think about sex education Like when I was growing up and the health classes that we had to take about learning about sex education. And not only, I'm just going to be super honest, not only was that education entirely ineffective because I was having sex far too early, but also I don't feel as though from a societal perspective, I realized that there was an option. Like that sounds really naive and really ignorant. And obviously there is an option and mine was an option. Okay. Like that's not even what I'm saying, but I really think thought that that was the standard. I thought at the time what I was doing was super fucking normal. Like I thought it was expected of me to be honest. Yeah, I agree. Sex education doesn't really normalize virginity. It just speaks to not having sex. Yeah, it's like I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to say, but it doesn't But I'm totally with you. Yeah, it doesn't make it a thing that Bob over there is maybe choosing. It's more like saying, don't do this. It's bad. You know what I mean? Not You can choose to not do this. You don't have to. Yes, that's exactly what my brain was formulating while you were saying that. Like, I feel as though the health education... And this is not like amongst people's individual homes. I'm talking about like two children in the public education system because... Talking about sex ed is actually a requirement of health classes in public education. This is a legit thing federally. And the way that each state handles that education is different, but the education still has to be provided as the general education curriculum. So, to your point, I completely agree with you. Mrs. Zacker, my 7th and 8th grade health teacher, who I loved, She looked like a little female version of Danny DeVito, and I fucking adored her. I actually think she's still alive because my sister had her a few years ago. She was the shit. But I don't ever remember Miss Zacker telling us that it was okay to keep our virginity. Like, that wasn't something that was said. What was said was, don't have sex. And if you do, here's how to do it safely. It was a very firm, don't do this, like you just said. That is completely correct. But then there was like this little asterisk moment where it was like, okay, but if you do, here's how you keep yourself safe. There wasn't the conversation of your body is sacred, even not in a religious perspective, but just respect your body. Your body is sacred. Choose to have this moment with somebody who's important to you and this have this be a meaningful thing. That wasn't the tone. It was abstinence or safe sex. There was no middle ground, yeah. which I think is really delusional for adults. Like, I'm going to say this because I'm still thinking about Ms. Zacker telling me how to put a condom on a fucking banana. I really think, like, that's really irresponsible of adults, not necessarily Ms. Zacker, because I know she didn't write the curriculum. But from a society perspective, to only talk about virginity with young people from those two options really does make it feel as though, especially to a young teen forming mind who is now experiencing all these fucking hormones that they've never had before, where like everything looks fuckable because I'm a 15 year old boy raging with hormones, right? Those two options of don't have sex, but if you're going to have sex, do it safely, definitely make it sound like I don't have the choice to not have sex Mm -hmm. like because i just choose that 
I don't know. I, I'm completely with you. And it is a very fucked up perspective. So that song that I mentioned earlier, I thought you would like these lyrics from it. It ties obviously specifically into the male perspective. I would love to hear them. Are you going to sing for me? No, absolutely not. Oh. I will send you the song later, though. So it's called Sick Transit Gloria, and it's by Brand New. And before this verse, he essentially is going upstairs to where there's a girl waiting for him. Okay. He keeps his hands low. He doesn't want to blow it. He's wet from head to toe, and his eyes give her the up and the down. His stomach turns, and he thinks of throwing up, but the body on the bed beckons forward, and he starts growing up. So he doesn't want to he do this. He doesn't want that. Yeah. But that is the marker in society for him to start growing up. And obviously there's different takes to what the song is about, but I always directly related it to either virginity or faking your sexuality. Either of those are very applicable, and maybe it's both. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's a real thing. On this exact same thought, back to Harlots, I also heard numerous times I was binging it today while I was coloring. Like, I'm just not even going to lie. I probably watched like six episodes while I was coloring. But the number of times I heard the boards say, let me make you a man. I just want to say this out loud for anybody who is listening, men or women. The concept of masculinity has absolutely nothing to do with who you fuck or when you fuck or how many times you fuck. Masculinity is not based on that. So although that concept that I relate it to is from this series that takes place in the 1600s, I know that that's still a real thing, that the concept of a man losing his virginity is what makes him a man. Conversely, though, what makes a woman a woman from this exact same perspective is her period. Mm -hmm. How fucked up is that? Like, Really, this thing that naturally happens to women is what then translates a woman to a woman as opposed to a girl. Men, the only bridge that they get to cross, according to, again, these very specific circles in society, but I don't want to make it sound as though those circles are small because I don't think that those circles are small is that a man can only become a man if he's been with a fucking woman that's just idiotic agreed that doesn't even make sense and again what business is it of yours where that man found his manhood like that just i go back to masculinity is not defined by the presence or absence of a sexual experience agreed and we as a society, need to move away from that. There's actually a really great episode in Firefly on it as well with the courtesan that's featured in the show. Shout out to Firefly. I'm pretty sure we shouted out Harlots and Firefly in the sex workers episode. I think that you are correct, and we may have done that because they were both very applicable in that episode as well. I think one main thing that I really want to point out is just that if this is what you choose, be proud of it and fuck anybody else who says anything otherwise because they should have no bearing in your choices. And if, if anything, they should have the utmost respect for you. And I don't know, that's all I had. I completely agree with that. I especially want to offer that to our male listeners, regardless of if you have had sexual experiences or not. If you look back at your youth and you recognize that the timing and the placement and the person that you lost your virginity with was maybe not the way that you wanted it to be because you felt pressured into doing it from this like perspective that we're talking about. I completely echo what Allie is saying and women you have a thing coming too but I feel it's especially important for men to hear us say that 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 is something to be proud of 
it is something to be proud of because you are abstaining from something that is labeled as dangerous because sexuality exploits a weakness in men in that i mean men don't always think very logically when the blood is rushing to their other head like that's a very real thing that's a very real concept and i'm not knocking anybody in their intelligence but like let's be real when you're hard you're not thinking very clearly so if you're struggling with the fact that you might still be a virgin fucking own that shit like really that is a big deal that you can abstain from that and women if you're still a virgin Huge high five to you because women are just as impulsive and... Yeah, I would argue that the mental prowess is not there as well when turned on. I totally don't disagree with that, but then I tried to come up with like a clever blood rushing and it didn't work out the same way, so I walked away from it. (laughs) And now you're thinking about it? (laughs) (laughs) I'm totally like, what can I come up with? You did. You put on your thinking face and you like stepped away from the camera. So women, with blood rushing to wherever it rushes for women, (laughs) are also really illogical sometimes, especially in their partner choosing. (laughs) I totally don't know what I'm saying anymore. So I love virgins. I love not virgins. I don't fucking know. (laughs) Welcome to taboos. If that doesn't sum up this podcast, I don't know what does. So what did you learn here today? I actually wrote it down because I didn't want to forget it. Oh, I love that. I think that might be a first. Obviously, I knew that virginity was sought after in, we'll go with Elden times, but I never connected the dots on it being due to bloodline purity. So that was super interesting to me. I did also think that that was interesting from that like paternity test factor. And especially because then I definitely did take it to the place like we talked about, like, what if that's not really your dad, but like nobody would have any way of knowing other than current state a paternity test yeah what did you learn um my caveat to what i learned is not that i learned something factual but i learned a perspective in that the perception of male dominance on that alpha omega spectrum can be influenced by sexual activity like obviously i know that Like, now that I've said the words out loud, it's very obvious to me that that is, like, the hierarchy structure, which I think is fucking stupid and it shouldn't exist. But I never, I genuinely never applied that thought of a man who is extremely sexual active is a quote-unquote alpha male. Like, Mm -hmm. what if he's not? But on that, like, societal pyramid, that's what they're saying, that's what the royal they are saying he is, is this very successful alpha male. And then men who are choosing to not be sexually active or who just aren't sexually active, whether that's a choice or not, are then on the omega side, which then makes them the target of bullying and hazing and all of that fucking bullshit that we're saying shouldn't happen because it's your choice and what you do with your body is your fucking business and nobody else's. But I've never had that perspective of why this is a thing that like dudes deal with. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think about, I do, I think about, like, high school and hazing and especially where I went to fucking high school, like, dudes were nasty. Just just trying to, like, get notches in their belt. Like, girls were gross, too. Don't get me wrong. Like, I feel like, actually, teens are usually pretty gross when it comes to exploring their sexuality. Not all, but at least when I was growing up, that was a thing. And I just, I, I appreciated understanding the social hierarchy 
I think, just very clearly laid out in a way that I've never thought about it before. Yeah, that was super interesting too. Yeah. I also, I didn't really understand the significance of the purity balls for, for females. And although I hated, I hate the concept and I don't like any of it, I did appreciate learning more about that only so I could solidify my hatred for it that much more. <laughs> okay, glad we resolved that. I was really on the fence and then I was like, nope, just kidding. No, I wasn't on the fence at all. I really hate it more. And that's what I learned here today. I enjoyed everything about this episode. Thank you. Uh, it was really, I'm, I was frazzled. I had lots of mispronunciations and my brain is literally begging to be shut off. So I'm amazed that we survived. On that note, dear listeners, hopefully this is a good segue and it doesn't get cut. If you also enjoyed everything about this episode and want to support the podcast, we would love that. You can do those things on our Patreon. It will be in the show notes because... Patreon hides it on their website because we are too explicit for them. Because I say fucking assholes. If you want to get in touch with us, we have all the things. There's Twitter, Instagram, that's Taboos the Pod. There is Facebook. There's a group. It's Taboos. Oh, there's also a page. We still don't know why. Still called Taboos, though. <laughs> and we have an email, which is taboospodcast at gmail.com. It's true. All those things are real. And you did amazing with the socials. And I'm so genuinely proud of you. It only took four and a half months. 21 episodes. On that note too, guys, going into 2021, we are so excited. We have the most amazing guests lined up. It's going to be a banger of a year. It's true. I'm stupid fucking excited. You didn't catch my innuendo. Oh, you said a banger of a year. Oh my God. I'm an idiot. It's... It's just going to be a great time, and we can't wait for it. We can't wait to see where it brings us. I'm pretty excited about it, really. My brain's just not working right now, but I'm really fucking excited. We do have the most amazing guests lined up for this year with some super fucking fantastic topics, and it's like, is it sad that I literally just want to fast forward to the end of March because I want to get through our March episode? Like, I want every single episode. I don't want to miss any of it, but like... I want to be done with March because that's what we're up to for booking right now. And all of the episodes are fucking amazing. And I'm just that excited. You want all those experiences? Yeah. But I want to fast forward to get there. Like, I want to just be there because, oh my God, we have so many good ones with just really great people and great perspectives. And we're going to do a lot of learning this year, folks. Lots of learning. <laughs> Are we good? I think so. That was like the cleanest outro we've ever had. It's because I read the same paragraph 800 fucking times <laughs> while we were doing the content. Well, guys, on that note, happy 2020. Nope. <laughs> Welcome. Wow. We both, you started and then I followed and we're both so fucked up. Just kill me. I'm that good. <laughs> that goat. On that goat. <laughs> Is that part of my dowry? Are you including a goat in my dowry? Yes. And then I want guys, two goats. Oh, you're expensive. I don't think this is going to happen. On that note, guys, welcome to 2020. No. On that note, guys, welcome to 2021, and as always, do you... Be taboos!
it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 